Muckspout. Hello and welcome. Here we are, Muckspout again. This is episode four, right? Five. Five. Damn. You here didn't mean it wasn't an episode, Ben. Yes. <laughs> All right. no, it doesn't count. It does not fully count if everyone's not here. This is episode four and a half of yeah. the Muckshot Podcast about punk rock, punk culture, DIY shit, anything we want to talk about. Uh, we're here with Mike Tenner and Alan, no last name given. Yeah. Oh, Dunford. Okay, I got. I got to change that now. This was. Uh, <laughs> 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 and, and, hey, we were talking about last names before we jumped on. So my last name is Teener. Oh, Teener. Yeah, yeah, I just found out about. Yeah, recently, yeah, yeah. Really, about, like always, the best way. Like I always tell everybody, hey, it's Teener. So, um, so Mike and I, we've known each other for I think like fifteen years or so. Uh, we we've played in bands together and everything. Um, so we, we kind of fit with the whole stick of everything that's going on here. But nice. uh, when, whenever Mike was uh, first getting into comic books, he kept going by William. Uh, William, you called yourself. Yeah, I used my middle name. Dude, so here's the thing. One video you shot, I don't know if you were nervous, but this is when, like, Dragonfly, like, 2 was coming out. And it was just made on this shaky cell phone that you're holding <laughs> in front of you. And you said, I'm William Tenner. And I had this out-of-body experience. <laughs> I've been calling you Teener forever. And you you it fucked was up your own last name. And, and, then, and then I was just assuming that we all start calling you Willem Tenner. And I just thought it was the funniest thing. So. <laughs> so <there we> go. <laughs> yeah. It would be like changing ears to like Alex. Yeah, Alec uh, Dunford. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that would take forever to kind of re-engineer yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Here you I said, am. I just fucked up my own name on a yeah, video. You then, said, "Hi, I'm William Tenner," and I was like, everything. "Like time just like the world just stopped moving <laughs> for a second. Well, I can't really talk because I spell my name with two M's, so yeah. you know. Yeah, I can't spell anyway. Um, so uh, you guys uh, put together a, a horror anthology called uh, Roseblood Manor. Am I correct? Yeah. Okay. First off, I want to say I love everything Bad Bug is doing. Every time I see you guys pop up, your shit looks golden, man. Like it's like top quality art, beautiful lettering. The stories look sick. Like whatever you got, like you're nailing it. Wow. Thank you. Eager For real. Lord. Yeah. Uh, ego is restored. Yeah, I was gonna say, uh, there you go. Flattery with Mike will get you everywhere. There we go. <laughs> it's like that's how I, that's how everyone got into Bad Bug is they just complimented me a bunch. Yeah, it's like, okay. um, it's like it's like Monsters right, cool. Inc. You're, you're whenever in. the screams actually fuel the city, it's, it's like Mike. Yeah, it's it's just ego. That's just the only thing that's the essence. Yeah. Well, I'm a comic writer, and I think you have a great beard, so we should talk. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. Um, so uh, tell us what Roseblood's about. Well, um, so probably the best way to start with that one is just talk about our intentions hmm. for Roseblood, and then that kind of better, I think, represents what the end result is. But anyway, um, we wanted to make an anthology that felt very um, – a very strict narrative in the sense that there is this haunted house that can manifest – and take many shapes or forms and lure its prey and it's like a predator you know so it's like this interdimensional traveler changeling that happens to be a haunted mansion and then that's its that's its natural form Love so it. all right so the idea is is that the narrative there's a frame narrative in every issue and then there's three uh, supplementary stories that all kind of converge 
into one conclusion as as a group so we didn't really refine that concept until we started working on issue two so issue one is a little bit more wild card but john to his credit since he was uh you know uh for a long time there editing and and helping put together uh the scripts he also had a writing uh credit on this one too because john helped uh, form the frame narrative uh story-wise and helped kind of guide the whole project um so thank you john he wouldn't he wouldn't bring that up so i would uh make sure that we got that on uh the show i, don't know, on anyway. this show, I might be comfortable enough to like <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Do it for you. it's not a problem so um anyways the uh the idea is that this this thing can uh, show up at any place in time and so that allows us to have some liberties with the story but there should be something uh some sort of indication that Roseblood is nearby and is influencing the story in some shape or form and, and we don't want to do it in an empty way too because we went back and done a lot of edits for it but uh ultimately you know that's the concept that was our intent with it and um I think we've got a better handle on now that we've finished one uh, anthology issue, finally. This is our first time really working on one as a group. So that was kind of a unique challenge. Um, but, so they're not uh, all stories that are taking place in a haunted house. This house is affecting them even outside. Mm-hmm. The stories that aren't within the house. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah or have, or you um, may find yourself oh, yeah. in the house. Go ahead, Al. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, because um, in our first story, which is declined, which is Scott's story, um, it takes place at the Roseblood uh, Hotel, right? Because there's a giant yes. sign outside of it that, that says, "Yeah, that, it's like know, really art. on the nose." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's just, it, but still, like stuff can still be on the nose, and yet we can still miss it because it's too obvious, right? Mm-hmm. And some of the things that we talked about with this too was, um, you know, how like the yellow barrels represent the shark in the water in Jaws. Mm-hmm. We wanted the color red to feel that way as cool. you go through this anthology series. Cool. So um, red has its own influence, uh, both from an artistic perspective and from the writing perspective. So as you go through the series, you'll see a lot of reds and places, and that will sometimes misdirect you or guide you to what's going to happen next. So. Love that stuff. So I'm curious, uh, in terms of like the challenges you guys obviously have a lot of background and experience with uh, writing and publishing comics, but an anthology seems like a different animal because you got to take all these different uh, minds and all these different ideas and kind of like coalesce them into something unified. So like, what are the challenges of that? Who do you like, who on the team do you rely on to kind of like thread the needle? Mike, can I take this one? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. Because you look like your brain was about to explode. <laughs> no, I did, it was a lot. So. Um. So before we get into the the writing uh, trials and tribulations of everything, uh, first and foremost, uh, we are a group of everyone that respects each other, and we all have a common goal. So mm. I think instead of you know Mike reaching out to to different people and, and just staying inside of the circle, well, for this one definitely helped. Uh, because everyone already has an understanding of where everyone's coming from. We're familiar with other people's work. Um, and everyone has the same idea and goal in mind, and that's to make a kick-ass anthology series. Um, right. Because I, I think whenever you have – granted, I've never worked on an anthology series before until this one. Um, but I think whenever you do have an anthology, there is a disconnect from you and the other creators on the project because people can just reach out to you and be like, hey, you got eight to 12 pages to work with this. Just send it to me when you're done, and then we're just going to slap it together. 
Uh, this has been very involved. Everyone's sending pages as we update. And it's really cool to see everyone's work in progress coming. And not just when you get the book in your hand, like, oh, okay, cool. I didn't know this story was in here. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's kind of what separates this is because this was um, for, to our credit. And I'll never say this about anything else we do. This was thought out. <laughs> um, so it was, I think it was good. What's that like? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. You know, to add to that, Alan, I don't know if you I, maybe you said it and I just zoned out when you were talking. Probably. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking at your face. I'm like, God, I want to punch this guy. But every time we look at each other in video. So, so anyway, um, uh, Alan said it best, though. But uh, we had a group chat with all the artists and writers and everybody that was involved with the project. And every piece of art had to pass through there. And everyone had to comment and give approval and that kind of thing when they cared to, you know, sometimes they would just be passively and that was no big deal, but everyone's feedback was essential into the development of this. So you're talking like, I think there was 15 people in the chat, 14 people in the chat and and we're all quality checking and, and um, adding things as we go. So um, a lot of concepts came from the artists um, on this too, like the, the two headed cat. Uh, that yep. we use a lot, it, you know, it's an icon now, but that was from our, our artist summer who did some of the concept artwork. Um, so we're using it and we threw it into the narrative. So it's just, everybody's had contributions. So it, there's going to be a, a huge legal entanglement if this ever, you know, took off. And then we were like, all right, you know, this person owned this much, that person, <laughs> it's going to be a nightmare. So. Well, that, that text chain will be a legal document. By that point, so <laughs> yeah, if you can figure out which of the fifty bad bug chats that we have going at any given time, then oh yeah, no, you're yeah, you'd be in trouble, man. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> even, Nobody even gets paid a lot of money stuff. to do that stuff. <laughs> I will say just uh, to bring something else up, and you kind of touched on it, is uh, one other thing that, re- that really separates the book, in my opinion, is that the frame narrative isn't just the horror host or hostess introducing each story there's an actual interweaving story surrounding the three main stories and it took a lot of doing to get it there and it uh, was a lot of pain in the ass work but it you know there was people calling us out on like a bunch of you know 30 year old white guys doing 30 year old white guy stuff maybe you try a little bit different yeah we was like all right that sucks but okay yeah so we but to everyone's credit, we rallied and we got it, you know, kind of interwoven a lot more clearly. And I think it works very well because of it. Like I said, it was a giant pain in the ass, but it sets us apart from other yeah. anthologies. So what, what I do want to say is, to your point, uh, John and Scott really jumped in there, right? Um, because, John, you're right, man. We, we could have taken the easy way out. We, we could have had a page. Well, that was fun. Now here's our next story. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, right. you know, move on with your life, right, yeah. Right, yeah, we have a commercial break. Oh, no, that was fun. Aren't you scared? You know, and then right. we can go to the next one. But, yeah, we, we don't take the easy way out, which I, yeah. I think will show in the quality of the work. Yes, I, I think that's the, creati- the, the best creative portion of this whole thing is how you guys have managed to naturally organically segue in between the mm-hmm. stories and use the frame narrative in a really respectful fashion as opposed to a lazy um it, you know intermission like thing like you're talking about because yeah. even like you know we i i it, early on i was like yeah we need to have a hot horror host 
I was like, because I, I want one. You know, yeah. <laughs> that, that was about the level of thought I put into it. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, like I saw Elvira, I was watching Elvira, and I was like, you know what? You know, uh, we need one for our era. We don't have an Elvira for our era. You know, like that was the age. True. You know, that's 40 years ago. <laughs> like, yeah, so like we just have to go ahead and say, hey, now it's time for a new one. So yeah. this was our attempt at a new one. And, is there, um, speaking of that, is there any is her name? What's that? Is there any plan to syndicate this thing and get it on TV? Is that the deal? Well, I guess we're gonna have to figure out that legal stuff I mentioned earlier first. <laughs> I mean, it's gonna yeah, that's gonna be tough. <laughs> I hear Netflix screenlights everything. You should go for it. Yeah, oh my god, we should yeah, be okay. Yeah, you think right? <laughs> you know, I, we didn't really talk much about the TV stuff though. I know that's a lot. Like a lot of creators think about that a lot. Like you know, is this something that they could sell to? Um, a network, you know, or streaming mm -hmm. service, and that's a lot of times they they look at those things that way. And um, you know, honestly, Roseblood it would make sense just because anthologies are in abundance right now. Yeah, and plus they're yeah. easy, right? Because um, you can have, you know, we have four. Realistically, we have four stories in this. Mm -hmm. um, you just need four different directors. They could all be filming at the same time. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, you don't need to shoot episode by episode. Yeah, yeah. These are going to move a lot faster. These are yeah. going to move a lot faster than other books mm -hmm. because of that. And so, yeah. it's like, we, you know, this time next year, we might be on issue six. Yeah. The, the anthology thing seems to be coming back as well to some degree, especially in the horror space. Uh, I don't know if you guys know about the show Monsterland. Monsterland? Oh yeah, I watched. I think I watched the first episode of that. It was like kind of rough, like the actual first story, but uh, yeah, it was definitely intriguing. It's disturbing, like, and not in a like holy crap that's gory kind of way. Like every story, it, it's like taking um, like monster mythology from from the old days. And uh, like crafting a story around uh, a modern uh, concept that fits in with that mythos. So there's one where a fisherman catches a siren and you watch him slowly descend into madness as he falls in love with the sea creature. And uh, there's another one where uh, it's a zombie that's fall that's uh, like come back to life, but the, the girlfriend doesn't want to, you know, lose their, their partner and it gets like really, it's dealing with with like feelings of loss and all that kind of. It's yeah. like really emotional. I have never seen Mike pay more attention. Yeah, in yeah. my whole life <laughs> than how he is yeah. right now. Yeah, yeah, definitely check it out. The first yeah. season is cool. I don't know if they're going to repeat it, but it's really cool. Yeah. I like horror. What's that on? I'm a big fan of those. You know, the kind of curiosities that Del Toro's just put out on yeah. Netflix. Yeah, you know, yeah. like it's. And then American Horror Stories, I like that more than American Horror Story. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I really do. I, I like the change up from episode to episode. I mean, there's so many more though. That's the thing. Like they brought back Creep Show. That's on Shutter. So that's yeah. another yep. one. Um, and we could go on all day. That's the thing. You're right. It's yeah. so, they're so popular and they're so rampant. And it's funny because I guess subconsciously I knew that, but I always wanted to see what we would do with an anthology because everybody in Bad Bug loves horror. I mean, we yeah. all write stories that kind of you know have at least one foot in horror i was so, gonna say everything has a darkness to it in uh, in the bad bug universe it seems yeah for the most part, not boy. i think we only have genuinely one story that's sci-fi and even then there's a lot of creatures in it and stuff like that so it, it could be you know looped in with monsters which obviously has a home in horror yeah so you guys said you were in bands together before yeah, yeah. yeah. So, what do you guys play? Um, so, Mike and I both play guitar. 
uh, we played in a uh, we played in a metal band together, and then uh, we played in an alt rock band uh, most recently. Uh, we were we were playing them a, names? Uh, metal band. What which the first name was Bit Shitter. Uh, yeah. They couldn't put us on flyers. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we were we were never on flyers. Yeah, like we didn't exist. To a sexy action news team, and then um, our most recent band, which was Wise with Knives, um, we were playing pretty good, and then uh, COVID happened. Uh, and uh, as, uh, as how COVID did with every garage band, it uh, it pretty much put a stake in that. <laughs> Our, but the bass player where all of our stuff's located at right now, it's all at his house. Um, he would still we, send us videos of him playing on all the instruments. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> the only one that continued creative, creative, creatively was, was Devin, our bass player. And here yeah. he is, like, messing with synthesizers. And looking we just at need our, to get back over there and He went on again. a huge st- musical journey. Yeah. I still remember all the songs. So let's just <laughs> get back in there and do it. Yeah, is there a plan to bring it back? Just Mike, you have to say the word. That's <laughs> yeah, that's uh, getting in a rhythm with all this stuff's been tough. That's another thing too, because like yep. you know, I still have a day job, and then the the evenings are starting to be taken up more because I'm shipping stuff every night. Yeah. So yeah, sure. like we run so many campaigns in a year that there's just always something I'm working on. Right. Whose damn like fault is that, Mike? Huh? Whose damn Who's fault, fault is that? I, me wanting <laughs> money. <laughs> I'll do anything for money. <laughs> See now, what you guys need to do is just tie it into like the next Ragnarok or something, and you can be, you can do the cassette for the next one, and just come out with originals for a band that they're playing against in the Battle of the Bands. There you go. There you go. The and then yeah. that'll give you impetus to actually get off your ass and play some music. I know. <laughs> well, I'm you you sell comics at a music show. It's tough to to. It's it's like. You always look back at whenever you played a show and you had fun, like right, like yeah. that was always the thing. Like there was good experiences, and you always want to have that again. So I don't. Musicians never stop performing live, at least you know. Like in my area, you know, there's a lot of veteran musicians that still play shows like almost every other weekend. You know, they don't. Obviously, that's an itch that they can't seem to scratch, but they keep trying. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So yeah, I think we I will probably end up playing something again. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> that's a strong that's a definite maybe i love that's it, a definite maybe <laughs> yeah. time time's the only thing time yeah. is really it is no it. i get that it's only well, time yeah. ben's working on a space up in canada for you guys can play and uh record and everything when oh yeah you're making a studio yeah well uh-oh change of plans uh-oh yeah yeah We'll see. We'll see if it happens, but uh, I'm no longer connected. Oh, oh okay. Let's put it that way. Um, yeah, there's been some uh, some changes of plans. So I'm uh, I I got my own. Um, yeah, I got another band I'm in. So um, basically, it was a conflict of priorities, uh, not just mine. And uh, yeah, decided to part ways. But uh, they're still doing their thing, and I wish them all the best. Yeah. Um, but yeah, onward and upward. Yep. Cool. Just so like Rose uh, Blood Manor. What are you playing right now? You said you're playing with some other guys? Yeah, so I'm in a band called Mute Sounds. Uh, it's a post-rock, so like instrumental. Okay. And uh, the lead singer is a great dude. Um, and uh, it's a top-notch human being. And uh, he ended up developing throat cancer a few years ago and lost his ability to speak. 
And so while he was going through radiation and chemo, he learned how to play guitar. And once he was, you know, healed, he started playing music and then came to Toronto and tried to form a band. And now I'm playing drums for him. And yeah, we're, we just started recording our new album and uh, it sounds awesome. And like, I know I'm biased, but I think it sounds pretty great. Well, then, um, you know, once once you have something down that you can share and, and wouldn't be, uh, you know, opposed to putting it on a CD of our stuff. Or <laughs> oh, hell yeah. I still, hey, I still got to send you a cassette, don't I? Or did I send you one? I don't think you have, but that's okay. Like, even if you just send me the digital tracks so I can listen to it. Because I don't really have a cassette player. I'd have to go out and buy a cassette player. To listen to it. Oh yeah, no, like no, like it's just more to have it to have it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, it, it, I don't have a cassette player. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, those were all thrown away, so I'd have yeah. to go to the dump to get another one. I think. Right. So. Yeah, but if you if you could send me the digital tracks, because I'd love to hear the other bands that were on there. Yeah, sure, sure. I'll go ahead and do that now while we're talking. Cool. Because <laughs> I'll forget otherwise. So Roseblood has ten days left. Is that right? Um, yes, Basically, question mark? Yeah. I've got it up here, so yes, 10 days left. Oh my goodness. I know, it, it was a shorter campaign. We yeah. ran it for 22 days, I think is what it was. 22, 24, 22. But we funded yeah. in like four hours, so. Which is wild, well, yeah. yeah. We're, we're really fortunate. Our newsletter has a lot of followers now. We're like 1,100 in, and um our day ones do really, really well. That's awesome. That's one thing that I think a lot of creators, they hear about all the time, newsletters, but it's they don't know exactly how to get that happening. So uh, We're not good at it. it. <laughs> yeah. This past year, I've only started working on it myself better, but yeah. I'm not good still. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you guys have a fair amount of experience with the, with the crowdfunding situation so what would you say are like the big pointers that you wish you knew when you started um so i've started this venture a little over a year ago um and i think without mike's guidance i don't know where i would be (laughs) with with doing this stuff um because without you mike i wouldn't have the team that i have together um and then and i was your inspiration you always you were never not the inspiration um but i I, I think shipping accordingly is huge because uh, I had a stretch goal on the very first campaign we ran. Uh, and we had an eight by 10 print, which was the dumbest thing that I probably <laughs> could have ever done because it didn't fit in all the boxes that I ordered. Oh, yeah. Because I didn't know the Gemini mailers existed because I never shipped a fucking comic book before. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> it was just a pain in the ass. The whole thing was terrible. <laughs> it cost it. It cost me a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then I, I think learning what people want and what they don't want, um, like you, you learn with each campaign on, on what, what you think will work, won't, won't work. Uh, the most recent campaign I had, uh, was a horror book called grandma chainsaw. And we went in on the covers for that one too, whether they be metal or the glow in the dark metals. And Mike, I think that's something that you guys have kind of done too now has just been really going all in on covers just because, people love art uh they're easy to ship with everything and it's it, it's crazy how much it is to actually ship a t-shirt yeah, <laughs> yeah. i also think the yeah. covers are good because it allows you to choose kind of your identity 
a little bit. Like you can pick the cover that you want to have. And then, you know, when you talk to other people about the comic, you can be like, oh, which one did you get? And it kind of creates a little bit of a, uh, like a- It's a personal- card mentality. When I when it finally stuck, someone pointed this out to me. It's like, hey, if you have, even if you have um, chases or variants, to your variant covers. Yeah, you guys have variants, that, variants, I know. Just a few that are spot foil where the others are playing, but it's still a different artist on both those covers. Right. Yeah, when you do things like that, it it, it, it it triggers that part of the brain for a consumer that they're collecting and, and that trading card mentality that we probably all had growing up. Mm-hmm. You, know, you had to have them all, you know? So, uh, yeah, I think that's how those covers work now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and plus, too, we, we kind of... Um, we're talking about it. We were gearing the covers for some of the stories too. Um, so we thought that that was kind of fun, uh, a good way to do that. Uh, yeah. speak, speaking of which, I don't think we even talked about the stories yet that are in the book. Have oh, we? Yeah. We oh have my it. God. We have it. Okay. Uh, John, John, I'm throwing it over to you. I'm the host now. Throw it over to me. <laughs> yes. You're so, talking about, talk about mama's boy. Okay. Mama's boy is the frame narrative that we put together. Mike kind of started everything out and uh, he did a very basic frame narrative just to get us intro to everything. And, you know, we all thought it was great. And then like, then we rethought it after, like I said, somebody called us out and said, is that, do I care about this person? You know, if they're going to die at the end, do I even give a shit? And so we said, all right, let's figure out a way to make people care. And uh, we, you know, kind of retooled the main Chuck character and got him a little more like endearing to the uh, person. And I won't go too far into it because I don't want to ruin anything. But uh, Scott Wilkie did a great job of retooling a lot of it. Like I threw ideas back and forth. I was otherwise occupied, but he did a great job of running with a lot of the stuff I just randomly threw at him. And uh, it came out fantastic, in my opinion. Everything kind of flowed into these guys' stories. And uh, unfortunately, I would throw the mic over to Scott at this point, but he's not here. Mike, do you want to take Scott's story and kind of give it a little rundown? Scott's is the the problem with these, right, is we can really only just tell you the premise to him because, you know, what kind of journey, right? Yeah. I mean, like you're going on an eight to 10 page journey. If I talk about this more than 10 seconds, then I've probably ruined it all for you. Right. You know? yeah. So Scott's is Scott's is really interesting because it kind of explains uh, that concept of the manor taking shape or taking a form to attract its prey. Um, in this story, it's just this desperate, lonely man that's uh, succumbed to the manor's uh, abilities to deceive and seduce. And... Um, that's really all I could go into. Yeah. <laughs> and that's all you really need. Pretty yeah. much. I was yeah. looking for the little synopsis we had on the campaign. Yeah. And it was yeah. like, and then after that, another person that unfortunately couldn't be here because he's dying internally. Yeah. Now he's, uh, yeah. he's got bronchitis. <laughs> he just had two kids. My God, Chris Jerome is, yeah, he's fantastic. But anyway, uh, he has a story called roadkill. It's uh, about, uh, not necessarily a corrupt cop, I guess you'd say. I don't know if I'd call him corrupt, but he's doing questionable things. Let's say that. And let's just say that, you know, from there, he gets a little bit of what's coming to him. And then then it leads into Alan's story. Hey, hi, I'm Alan, and I'm the only one here <laughs> representing their story. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh, my story is The Wandering Man. 
Um, I was really happy when Mike asked me to do this. Uh, just I, I don't know if it was with Pocus or Grandma Chainsaw or a combination of the two, but I'm happy you asked and you thought I was a good fit for this. Um, so mine takes place uh, in a time before everyone else's does. And mine is about uh, an art collector who kind of uh, gets a little bit more than what he pays for with this painting this time around. Mm. Um, and yeah, we, we had a ton of fun with it. We were, uh, we're super happy with how it turned out. And uh, we definitely pulled in a lot of uh, what we were doing with Pocus Hocus over to this with the time with the Victorian era, uh, you know, just time frame of it. And it was just uh, it was a lot of fun. To, to we got have to that preview too. that that story. We got to take a look at that one. Yeah. Oh, did yeah, you get to see the? Did you get to see the whole? Yeah, I, uh, I found yeah the pages yeah. in one of the old chats, and yours was the only one that had all the lettering and everything done. So oh yay! Yeah. 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 Those guys. Okay, well done. He, he got an A. Yeah, the, the, art was, <laughs> the art was beautiful, and it, it was fun. It was a good story. It was, okay, good. I'm glad you guys like it. Really? Yeah, it. no, it was awesome. It got me excited to read the rest of them. To be honest with you, like when I when I thought I was like, "Oh, this is yeah. not, this is going in places I didn't see it before." Okay, I'm in. You know? Yeah. No. Um, and, and another thing about that to give Alan credit too is like the the work between uh, he and Will, who are co-writers, uh, and the artist Brian Belando. Uh, he's a writer too, in a lot of ways. It seems like right because oh yeah, you know, like just some of the ideas are visually. Mm-hmm. Um, carried visually, not saying that the writing is not supplementing those moments. But oh, dude, no, moments. I know, I know where, I know where my no, Alan, Alan's <laughs> smart because he knows when to back off and let the art tell the story. That's the great yeah. thing about Alan as a writer. It's not like hey, trying to throw a lot of words at the the space. Hey, this this panel seems a little too empty. I'm going to fill it with more words. No, right. he, he lets yeah. things breathe, and and that allows Brian to really kind of go unhinged sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what he did in that short story. Yeah, because uh, John, you got a chance to see it. I think even on that the the page of our story, the the climactic one. Uh, yeah. O- the only thing it said on there was Brian, go crazy. And <laughs> yeah. And he well, certainly and then, did. Yeah. When you look at the pages, you you do look around. Like it's there's a lot to look at, and it's yeah. And it's not overwhelming. It's comfortable, and it was it was really nice. I've always felt that the sign of a good comic page is if you you get to the end of the page and you go back up, you're like, hold on, I want to see yeah. more of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. No, I definitely got that feeling out of that. That was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that I mean, in a nutshell, um, you know, then of course, Mama's Boy will will tie up everything. Uh, but yeah, guys, that's that's Roseblood Manor, and we're so happy uh, yes. to to put this thing out. Well, you guys are already funded, so you're and you're way past uh, a bunch of your stretch goals. You only have a couple more left, from what I saw. Yeah, they're and and they're not all monetarily based. Like we like engagement on our campaigns. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of reasons for that, but uh, one of those is that uh, it, it. I think the more engagement you have with your backers and supporters, the more you have uh, better retainment of them. Definitely. Um, you have better communication with them because you're constantly showing them new updates with more stretch goals. And that's what we realized the value in stretch goals. Cause I was, I've been thinking about it a lot lately and I was like, you know what? It's just something to give people an update on something yeah. more to entice them to stay. So, right. <laughs> yeah. so you're, you're uh, yeah, it, it's, we have a lot of stretch goals that are unlocked, but there's a lot more still that people can do. And then it's just by leaving project comments on the page. 
um, for that engagement purpose. And then we have some where it's just a referral program. If you got someone else to back this Kickstarter, just send us both the names. And as long as both of you guys don't cancel, you know, that unlocks, <laughs> that, unlocks that stretch goal for you. Yep. So, um, yeah, it's little things like that that I think um, we started to see more value with. And I think that's helped us as far as, you know, with these uh, these particular campaigns that we've had this year. For sure. Yeah. Do you see that stuff translating to other bad bug projects or do they kind of stick to the, the lane that they, they chose or the erotica line? Um, well, all I mean, is like if, if someone, if someone, uh, you know, backs Ragnarok do they and then something else comes out, are they more inclined? It feels like we always have something that's launching. So yeah, there's always like, it's like a, you know, lily pad thing, right? Like they just hop over to the next one and then the next one. And then right. So, um, I guess, yeah, I see familiar names. Alan, I know on your campaigns you yeah. recognize names that you've seen mm-hmm. that have just, you know, but I don't think we ever cross talk a lot about those. So where Bad Bug has projects under a lot of other creators, you know, we don't, we never really talk much about our customers by name uh, a whole lot. So we've never really been able to cross reference how much we've retained over those. But it seems like with the numbers we get that we've retained some. So, um, those people message us, though, I think a lot. I think the ones yeah. that do engage with us are the ones that we remember simply because of that. Like a few I found on Facebook and added them as friends because they just talk to us all the time. So I was like, hey, let's let's make this official. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> That's when it's official, when you can DM somebody. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, but I, the thing, the thought process, too, and I probably, I don't know if I brought this up to you, Alan. I might have been talking with somebody else, but like the like a loyalty program. I was like, mm-hmm. might as well just start thinking about doing a loyalty program for people um, that are incentivized to uh, back all of our projects. Right. Totally. So. Yeah. Membership would be cool. Yeah. And um, because again, like what we were talking about, uh, Mike and I, with our most recent ones, we ran a cross promotion with midnight highway three and grandma chainsaw, where if you back both, you got a, a crossover print and it's just little stuff like that. I think that, even just separates uh, some campaigns apart too. Yeah, that I think that worked out really well for us. I mean, I don't know officially yet because you still haven't sent me the Excel file. Oh, I need to do that. My bad. Can you just do that right now? So that uh, can... Yeah, let me get my laptop. All right, because I have stuff that's just waiting to be shipped, so I can. Cross you like? Thanks for watching the episode where we talk in the office. Well, you've only told me like three times now that you're going to send it. So yeah. Just well, so okay. the problem is, is I have to yeah. do it on my laptop because that's where my. Uh, Microsoft Office is on because it's not uh, on my desktop. So let me tell you what, while while Alan's getting that going, Mike, why don't you uh, pimp out any bad book books we got coming up that you sure. want to like talk about real yeah. quick? So there's a lot. Um, <laughs> like, where do you begin? <laughs> yeah, but you know, just things so we're, that we we're might look. pause a little bit. I'm going to run one more campaign this year, but that's going to be a test, and it's with our highest grossing series, Vanya, which is an erotic title. It mm-hmm. is going to launch in about two weeks, and that's going to be Vanya number four. And that'll be the last one of the year. And then uh, come January, uh, a lot of people regain confidence in crowdfunding, right? We all go back into the ocean, is what I'll say. <laughs> so, um, all that Christmas money. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. So, um, Vanya is going to be a test to see how well our best does uh, monetarily wise uh, through the holiday period. We're going to just see how that one goes. Uh, and then in January, we've got um, 
Well, we've got Bobby Joe, which is a uh, a series that's debuting called. Um, well, it's got a long title. It's Bobby Joe, Ex- Appalachian Extraterrestrial Exterminator. So um, it's just a hillbilly girl that uh, kills lots of uh, aliens up in the Appalachian Mountains. And it's cool. a ton of fun. I read, the, I read the script, and it's, it's fun. a lot of fun. Yeah. Scott Wilkie's writing that, too. Um, so we've got that. Um, we've got Hypergeist 2, which is one of our other erotic titles. That was also a pretty successful one on Kickstarter. That's coming out in January. We've got, um, we're aiming to have Midnight Highway 4 out by January. That's like the next thing we're working on because we just, we're starting to fulfill three right now. Um, and that's, there's more, but that's all I've got off the top of my head. Right I now. saw you teasing uh, Monster World earlier on your oh, Facebook yeah, story, yeah, right? World. That's going to be in February. So that one's okay. Jurassic Park with cryptids. Ooh. All right. Monster, it's called uh, Foster Copperfields Monster World. Gotcha. And that one's uh, just like a family uh, traveling through, uh, you know, West Virginia, stumbles upon an old theme park that's been torn down, basically, and, you know, under uh, condemned, right, for about 30 years. And then one of the kids gets eaten by a chupacabra. Hell yeah, they do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually our first family friendly book. And we're not, we're not, we're not like pulling punches, but we don't have a lot of language in it and stuff. Um, we don't have a title that we can sell at cons where, you know, parents want to bring their kids. Right. By. Yeah. <laughs> we're just like, you know what? It sucks because these kids come by and they see all these sweet covers and stuff. And, you know, they're not thinking about the content inside it. They're like, this looks badass. I want it, you know? And they're like, well, too, um, too damn bad, kid. Yeah, too damn bad. So, uh, yeah, this is our first PG title, I guess you could say. That's cool. So, Alan, now, are you done you? with your office work over yeah. there? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have anything you wanted to pimp on your end that's not um, bad bug related? Or Yeah, so uh, January, uh, Pocus Hocus 5, we're, we're doing that. Um, and then right after that, we're doing Grandma Chainsaw 2. Awesome. So uh, we're, we're going to stagger the releases. So it's going to be uh, Pocus 5, Grandma Chainsaw 2, Pocus 6, Grandma Chainsaw 3, so on and so forth. Um, and nice. then any other random short stories that Mike needs, uh, I'll just throw it in there too. <laughs> awesome. Always glad to see scripts coming from you coming across my plate. So yeah. always happy to see your stuff. Awesome. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, because you like Grandma Chainsaw and you can't take it back when we're on live stream. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. No man, that that hit Dude, the that's... sweet spot for me. That was all the horror goodness and all the weird, fun art, and just like it was just off the rails fun. So oh, I, yeah. I think, think you hit just the right notes with that for an old horror head like me. So oh, good, I appreciate it. Yep, yeah. sure did. Awesome. You no, know, and, and the the bummer is is with Grandma Chainsaw. Um, it's kind of like when you want to. Have you guys watched Barbarian, by the way? The, not yet. Dude, so good. Right? So good. So good. Watch it. It's so good. Yeah, it's but like you I, can't, you can't yeah. explain it to people. No. Because you'll ruin it. It ruins it. Yeah. And don't You're talking about the TV series? <laughs> What's that? You're talking about the TV series? No. 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 It's a the movie that just came out recently. Yeah, it was the 22 horror flick that came out on HBO Max. Yeah. Okay. It's I'll look a, it up. It's for horror fans, old and new. It's a must. Hmm. All right. 
Yeah, that's pretty much top of my list right now. Yeah, I just yeah. need to get Holly to actually agree to sit down and watch it with me. Yeah. So. No, well, that's the thing. Alice doesn't like horror, but we sat down and watched that one together, and, and she liked it, too. Yeah, it's oh, awesome. Awesome. expectations. You never know where it's going. It, it's, it pulled you in immediately. Um, the last movie that made me feel that way was, like, Malignant. Oh, I uh, love that. Yeah. yeah, that was a great one, too. And uh, Alan's Grandma Chainsaw honestly kind of did that for oh, me, too, because it. of where it really just, what you think you're seeing, what you think you're getting, and then does a, a surprising twist and an, and a preferred one, an enjoyable one. Because, you know, yeah. sometimes people do the twist and you're like, ah, I don't like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're like, this is one that you like. You're like, oh, yeah. Oh, awesome. This is going to be a lot of fun. I'm going yeah, to I hope this one isn't a Shyamalan. That's all, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So much. yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a hard that's a hard one to land to land is the is the twist because you might think it's the coolest thing ever and someone else is like, but why though? Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a risk really is what it is. That's why is. that's why no one bats, you know, a thousand percent or whatever, you know, like uh it they just you know, there's a lottery of choices there. Um and lightning in a bottle happens and they all link up and work yeah. out. You know, but yeah. You know, that's that's kind of the fun thing about horror, too. Like, a, an example of it not working out in their favor is Halloween Ends. You know, that was... Yeah. Uh, I, I've heard, I haven't yeah. watched it yet, but I, I hear. Oh, we won't dude. give it away, but yeah. it's almost like they they tried to just yeah. cram two things together. And it, it just was where they were going with the first two in that trilogy. Let's yep. just say it didn't finish that way. Wonderful. And it's like, if you were going for that tone in number one and two of that series, then end strong in that. Kind of flavor, Commit to your yeah, yeah. Commit to your actions. Exactly. And that's, that one, even reading, um, I always forget the director's name. Um, David Gordon Green. Um, even reading his interviews about Halloween ends, I wanted to punch him. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like I really did. I was just like, dude, you're not making this for the fans. You're making this for you. You piece yeah. of shit. You're making this to like edit, like hold yourself up as some masterful storyteller because he did something controversial made a choice to focus elsewhere mm -hmm. from what we know propels the series mm -hmm. and then when you're talking about a conclusion of the series and right holding up for something like that that was just a really cheap shot to take with your uh you're trying to steal the spotlight a little bit I think so a little bit. You'll understand more once you watch it but uh it's worth watching because sometimes you want to learn what not to do Oh, dude, I, I am a huge fan of hate watching. I will, I will hate watch a TV series or a movie and just like in my head, I'm just making notes like that didn't work. That didn't work. That didn't yeah. work. Yeah. And yep. it's funny because yeah. I'll do that with some things and I'll say, okay, there's about 1% of this. They did really well. And sometimes yep. I'll actually make a note of that. It's like, now, if you'd done the other 99% anywhere near that well, you might have had a movie. Yeah. Mike, did I introduce you to Neil Breen? Yes. Okay, good. Right, prime yeah. example. Neil Breen and then Tommy was so obviously yeah. we're both uh, avid fans of. You ever seen The yeah. Room, guys? The Room? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Oh, the movie yeah. The Room? No, I haven't yet. I know what you're talking about. Oh, hi, Mark. About. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my right, God. So hang you, on. Are you guys hang writing on. down this stuff? Hang on. You need to watch, by the way. <laughs> hang <Yeah>. on. Hey, Al, do you have your picture of Tommy? That's amazing. Do I have my picture of Tommy? Hang on. 
you really are fans. Alex yeah. showed this to me. Oh, it's amazing. You have a sign. Oh, my God. Yeah. I am so jealous, dude. That's amazing. That's Love Tommy White. Hell yeah, boy. He's right. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's funny. Oh, that's awesome. Love is blind on mine and then said, be good. Yeah. <laughs> to be good, too. Uh, yeah, told my, he told me to be good. Okay. And I will for him. It's like and the host edit, he's going to make your pictures chess. Yeah. <laughs> God, that's so funny. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, you guys got to watch that. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so good. That's okay. the, I think that's the thing about horror, too, right, is you get pulled into stuff that's bad, but it's endearing yeah. and it's enjoyable to watch because there's still passion behind it. Yeah. 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 Like I think basket case like that for me. I don't know if you guys ever saw that one, oh, yeah. but it's no. Alan, have you seen that? Basket no, case? I haven't. Oh my god, it's such a. It's not a well-made movie at all. Oh, good. <laughs> good. <laughs> Count me in. That's what, that's what makes it great. But um, it's like this guy has like his his twin brother, which was like this blob of a creature that was sewn to conjoined the to him. Yeah. Him. Oh. They remove it, and he carries it around in a basket. And it communicates with him like telepathically and tries to get him to do bad things and stuff. It's just a crazy ass movie. And I mean, but at the time, it, it, it looks shitty. Though, it's like, well, that's the thing though. Shitty, at the it's time, addictive. it's like fun to every watch. Every movie looked like that though at the time. Like, so you didn't mind it as much because yeah. everything was a rubber monster. You know? Yeah. So, you know, compared to the, everything around it, it was as much junk as everything around it. So it was that's fair. That's perfectly fair. acceptable. I think about that now when I'm playing video games and I look at the, and I'm like, I remember when I thought like, you know, like GoldenEye had the best graphics, like, oh my God, it looks like the real guy. And now I look back, I'm like, oh, what was I thinking? But at the like, time, oh my God. Yeah. yeah. But at the time it was incredible relative to everything I'd seen before that, you know? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Movies are the same deal. For real. Matrix ruined everything. Made everything look too cool. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you can't, you, nothing nothing would be cooler than that, right? Like that was at, at the time for sure. And then Inception and everybody was like, Whoa. <laughs> there's always like these for whatever reason there seems to be these plateaus of like storytelling or or uh you know, art. Uh, music, whatever it happens to be, we hit it, and then we're kind of stuck there for a little while, and everybody's just trying to do that, but better, and then someone's yeah. like, fuck that, let's try this new thing, and then that, we move up to the next level. Yeah. That's true. So, um, you know, I I guess if we're done talking about Roseblood Manor, mm -hmm. um, you know, I uh, is there at least a favorite horror anthology series that you guys have, like one that you grew up with that you absolutely love? I got to know that much at least. Before you, mm. before, before we leave, we are have we to know. Comics? Okay. Are we talking comics, no, so movies, TV? Minus Twilight Zone. That is, yeah, 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 uh, that yeah, is yeah. a huge okay. influence for me. Yeah, yeah like the, I mean, Friday the 13th, the series I really liked. That's that sure. counts, right? Does that count? It does, yeah. Okay. I forgot about that one, but yeah, it does. I actually really liked that one quite a bit. That's cool. Even though it had nothing to do with the movie series. Okay. I, I actually have a few this time for once. So this is the Canadian cut. There was a show that was on uh, in, uh, in on YTV, which is a completely Canadian youth channel when I was a kid, called Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Well, yeah, we had it on Nickelodeon. We had that. Yeah, yeah, oh, no shit. Yeah, it was a Canadian show. So I watched it. Yeah. Yeah. Made all here. And uh, that one that Alanis Morissette was on? It might have been. Yeah. Dude, it's, it's on one of those shows. That Nickelodeon, Nickelodeon picked it up. And, yeah, they did. Uh, and it, yeah. It started here. Um, and uh, I got a deep cut. Uh, it's not, I wouldn't call it a horror anthology, but it was a show that like it represented horror to me when I was a little kid, the hilarious house of Dr. Frightenstein. You ever watched that? What's it With called? Vince Trice. And it had like, you guys don't remember this one? No. What's oh it man. The... Sorry. What's it called? The hilarious house of Dr. Frightenstein. Frightenstein. Yeah. So there's like a hundred episodes of it or something like that. And yeah, it was on, it was on in the seventies and eighties. And it used to come on uh, on Sunday afternoons, I think, and that's when I used to watch it when I was a kid. And it had Vincent Price in it. it had all these sort of like um, comedy actors, and they would basically play like uh, like horror uh, characters, like Dracula, the Wolfman, and that kind of stuff. But they would play them in some sort of comedic way. So the Wolfman was like a DJ. <laughs> it was like, yeah, it was amazing. It was such okay. a great show. I, yeah, I'm gonna check that out. Holy shit! <laughs> yeah. It's crazy that you miss stuff like that, you know? Right? Yeah, no, there's a British uh, anthology series called Monsters that you can see with Freebie. So it's free, you know? You just have to watch ads and stuff. Right. Holy shit, you know? They, they had like four or five seasons of it. And it's like, well, yeah, and yeah, there's so many of them out there that we just never got to hear about, I guess. Yeah, man. What about you, man? I think uh, for me, I had. Uh, it was probably special to me just because I like could get no TV when I was growing up. So I would go to my friend's house who had cable and I could pick up a station out of Boston and it would, would show tales from the dark side. And that was my favorite back in the day that just had special memories, whether or not it held up at all. I don't know, but the memories themselves were fabulous. So. hundred <laughs> percent. That's tales of the crypt for me. Cause like when I go back and watch some of them, I'm like, ah, oh, it doesn't scare me now. <laughs> but as a kid watching that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It just holds such so a special fun. place in your heart, you know, for that creepy side of you wakening up, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. Alan, you, uh, besides twilight zone, which I think that counts. Yeah. Think, um, uh, so growing at goosebumps. Okay. Yeah. Nice. That's a good yeah. one too. Dude. Yeah, and, I have and all- are you afraid of the dark? Definitely. But yeah. yeah. Which one would you like, you know, battle Royale, which one wins? Um, for one that scared me the most, uh, probably are you afraid of the dark just because they had this one stupid episode where this, uh, some bitching kid froze to death outside and, um, he would always come up and just be like, I'm cold. And that just stuck with me. And it scared <laughs> the shit out of me. That's the kid. ultimate Canadian nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm cold, eh? <laughs> it's like, yeah. <laughs> it's fucking cold out here, eh? Yeah. <laughs> and then the kid apologized for being cold afterward. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, just put a toque on, eh? <laughs> just put a toque on. <laughs> yeah. on your face. What's all the fuss about? <laughs> <laughs> all right, it's getting personal now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh, so we're hitting that witching hour of the end of the episode. So if you guys want to drop off, you're welcome to stay. But uh, Eric was going to wrap up with some news and stuff. So right, awesome. thank you guys so much for coming yeah, on. Th- thank you guys for having us. Want to come back on anytime you guys want us. I- I'm speaking for Mike. 
Um, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. This was a great talk. So I'm yeah, right. happy to have yeah. you guys. And the, uh, the stars aligning with the Ohio Mark thing. I'll, I'll never forget that. That's absolutely. <laughs> <a long laughs> <drive>. <laughs> All right. Uh, you guys have a fantastic evening. We'll see you guys uh, later. Thank you guys. Yeah. Right, bye guys. You guys. Bye. Take it easy. I appreciate it. All right. <laughs> and then there were three. Yeah. Eric, we I feel bad you haven't got a chance to talk too much this episode. So yeah, okay there. This has been a long weekend. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I just recovered from food poisoning, so my weekend was mostly restful, but not in the way I wanted it to be. That sounds awful. Yeah, it sucks. I took my son to a corn maze yesterday out in uh, in Indiana. It's like one of the biggest ones in the country or whatever. It's uh wow. humongous. They have like four mazes that converge into one. Um and we went we went in the evening for the first time um so that was a lot of how fun. was that we had flashlights and stuff it was creepy it, i was um walking along with him and my girlfriend and i was like anybody here ever see uh, signs and she's like i haven't seen that and i was like oh we can see that now <laughs> speaking of in night Shyamalan. yeah that was my favorite Shyamalan movie actually yeah that was a little more sci-fi i guess but it was yeah it was yeah good. i've always been more of a sci-fi dude yeah no, that's awesome. Yeah. So I know we talked about um, in our chat before about uh, this Blink-182 thing and how we don't really care to cover it because they get enough coverage. But uh, the Ticketmaster dynamic pricing thing kind of popped up right yeah. there. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I think pretty much everybody can agree that's bullshit. Well, yeah. um, I feel like that's been a problem for a long time. And you know it's something that I didn't realize, I think, until then. I think that kind of brought it. Sure. Forward. Yeah. I, mean, I don't think I realized it either until they yeah, had articles specifically about it. And then it made me look into it more. And it's it, I think it pissed me off more seeing that bands have to allow Ticketmaster yeah. to do that. But it also brings the question to light of are bands 100 percent aware of how shitty that is? And how much they they're getting, you know, that the fans are getting fucked on something like that. Because, you know, it might just be a little box that you check. It's like, oh, whatever. I, what is this? Yeah, okay, I'll check that box. But if they're saying, yeah, go ahead. I'll take their firstborn. I don't give a shit. <laughs> right. That's a completely different matter. So, right. The, the frame it, I guess, um, for anybody that isn't aware of what's been going on, when the Blink-182 tickets came out, they were, what, 100-something bucks or whatever, um, Give or for, take, yeah. for tickets and then um within hours they were going for 800 or so and what happens Any is there's an algorithm within Ticketmaster that sees that a ticket a group of tickets is getting a lot of attention and so it raises the prices of those tickets to i guess further capitalize on that essentially i mean there's not yeah. really a good reason for that it's yeah, the it worst reason for it in my yeah, opinion, that's yeah, a horrible supply and demand. Horrible. I wouldn't even call it supply and demand because it's not about demand. It's it's yeah. about engagement. So like it, the fact that they are a sought after punk band that have not been uh, performing regularly for what a decade at least Something like that. Um, doesn't necessarily mean demand. I mean it. What it means is that people have their attention, right? Yep. And my so like on the local scene side of things, we felt this for a long time, but I, I think this has actually been helpful in certain respects within the local music scene to help kind of like help us all realize that every musician is over the barrel. This idea that you can get to some level of success where you're no longer beholden to the venues. 
doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And even the venues are beholden to this. That's something else I learned is that the venues are over the barrel with Ticketmaster as well, because if they start fighting with these, this pricing model, then Ticketmaster will take the venue right off their list. Mm. And then they don't have access to the same audience. So, I, I mean, this sounds to me like monopoly. Like it really shouldn't. And this seems to all coincide with them buying up Live Nation, which was their only real competitor. So to me, this is antitrust at best. Yeah, this is total monopoly crap. It's horrible. <clears throat> yeah. so do you think? Do you think Ben being involved um, on that level? Do you think that things like this and crazy ticket prices, because Blink isn't the first crazy ticket price situation. No. Think things like that help smaller bands and that people start looking at those kind of shows like smaller shows is that a thing or is that fantasy i would say that that's probably an unfortunate or like a like a maybe a, a bonus consequence but i wouldn't say that it's directly connected i think people who want to be part of the local scene are already part of it and people who uh are going to the shows for the bands that they really love uh they're gonna keep doing what they're doing it's not, it's not very often that I run into somebody who's like, yeah, I was going to go to the ACDC show, but they, the tickets were sold out, so here I am. You know what I mean? Uh, very rare. Um, but by the same token, I think it, it will naturally cause people to start looking for other places to go and looking for other music. And I've always felt that music travels in waves. You know, um, if you look at the 60s, you know, the height of the 60s is what we consider Woodstock, right? And then after that, there was kind of a decline and then <laughs> disco and then uh this you know and then the 70s had their also their moment of creative explosion and stuff and it wasn't even just in rock and roll we had michael jackson and we had you know uh, stevie wonder and all it, like all sorts of different musical genres started to bloom in the 70s and then the 80s also there's a fair amount of stagnation in rock and roll but then we also got punk rock we also got um you know, the police, there was a lot of unique stuff that was happening. New wave started happening at that period. Yeah. Um, and so it's like, it seems like when something is reaching its pinnacle, there's something else that's starting to form. And so what I'm seeing right now is, you know, something else is forming beneath the surface. And uh, the fact that they're capitalizing on, on tickets the way they are. And also like, I don't know if Blink has had a real response to this, but I saw, like, I saw that Mark Hoppus tried to order tickets, and he yeah. was called by it. Um, but I don't know. I guess he checked that box, so it depends on where he was on that. Right. Yeah, and also, like, that. being appalled is not the same as actually making a material right. effort to change no, anything. I don't, th- I don't think they've done anything. But I could right. be wrong, so I won't speak for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I mean, no disrespect to Travis Barker, who I think is an incredibly talented drummer, but he's spent the majority of the last couple of years wearing silly suits and walking around with pretty girls on his arm. So it's not like he's exactly, this kind of brought me to a thought that I wanted to kind of explore over multiple episodes. If we're in, if we're both interested or all interested, which is what is the difference between being punk and being a punk? Yeah. That's an ongoing question for a lot of us, especially those of us that have been in the scene for a long time. And that, yeah, you get to a point where you're like, all right, is it part of the fashion? Is it part of the ideal? Is it part of, you know, because I also think that being a punk is just being comfortable with who you are and listening yeah. to the music you want to listen to. And if That's I want right. to go to a show in a old pair of jeans and, if, you know, look like I'm not, like, fitting the part, I'm still really, you know, 
I'm still a punk at heart in my yeah, opinion. What, what is the part, right? I yeah, exactly. A, I had a exactly. uh, thing when I first wrote uh, my blister book before I made the comic. I think it was when I made the first comic, actually. I was interviewed by somebody. And my mom watched it, and she was like, you weren't a punk. And it was really funny because <laughs> like, my mom calling me out. But, <laughs> but, like, I think that my mom didn't really know, like, where I stood on anything. She, yeah. I mean, I wasn't out fighting people or, like. Right. I never had blue hair or. <laughs> well, that that's what kind of led me to the thought was like, I knew a lot of kids when I was in school that uh, their parents could afford to, to dress them up like a punk. And they acted like one. They would like say dumb shit and give the teachers the finger and like push people around when they, when they were, you know, they were trying to be counterculture or whatever. But then I would go to punk shows and I would never see them there. It would always be the people who had the torn jeans and their, you know, their parents were fighting all the time. And so they were just finding a place to be that wasn't at home. And they were like, you know, just sitting in the corner, just like watching the music, like kind of just dealing with their rage in their own way. You know, that felt way more punk to me than, than, you know, wearing designer clothes or, you know, having a certain hat, any of that shit. Yeah. And back then it was, you know, depending on how old you were and, you know, like you said, how much rage you had going through your system. That was also back when going to a show and waiting for the slam pit to start was huge therapy. That was, and you knew at that point, it was a time when if you fell, everyone around you was going to pick you up. And if all, you know, if your shoe fell off, people are helping you find your shoe. You know, if you got your shit That's knocked out of you. one thing that I've always kind of stressed about the punk thing too is that like they, they talk about different kinds of punks and stuff, but like the inclusion of it all. I've never mm-hmm. gone to a show and felt like an outsider. Exactly. That to me, when, and this is where the thought came from when I was thinking about Blink, is like, yeah, they've reunited. But when, what was the last punk thing they did? I you remember know? 2001, 2002, or whatever, they, they played with um, Bad Religion at uh, our big amphitheater. And I remember, like, the, they got up on stage and the curtain dropped, and there was this gigantic light up thing behind them the, as big as this humongous stage that said fuck across it and everybody screamed and it was amazing right <laughs> we we're all dumb yeah. kids and we thought it was hilarious and yeah. amazing and fuck everything. i mean that is kind of punk yeah but, like I, oh, yeah. I guess what i'm saying is like they they're definitely in the the punk annals of history there's no denying that i i'm not i'm not here to, to talk about whether or not they have cred but uh at what point does punk start evolving past where it used to be? You know, like if you think it used to be safety pins and leather jackets, and then it was also mod. And there was a time when skinheads weren't Nazis. You know, if you go back far enough, the skinhead thing got co-opted. Yeah. So like things are constantly changing and evolving. And I feel like punk is one of those things that it embraces that evolution and embraces that change. And so, the one thing that it won't do is commercialize. And so if we're paying $800 for a fucking ticket. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think it's not just uh, isolated to punk either with certain parts of this conversation, which obviously we'll have to continue in another episode, but, Mm -hmm. but uh, things like, you know, there's points where bands get to past their metal roots and get past everything because 
it's not necessarily always because they're selling out or anything like that. No. It's sometimes because they got a producer that's overproducing their shit. It's sometimes because they got to a point where the guy can't scream anymore. And that's just natural progression. That's nothing against them. It's just, yeah. you know, sometimes things naturally have to change. That's fine. But again, yeah, exactly. It's like, are your shows going to be a little different? Is your, you know, overall, you know, stance that you're still punk or metal or whatever it is it, it, it yeah it's totally a mindset on a lot of it i think and i think like you said some of it is about commercialization and yeah you know some people embrace it too much in the commercialization portion blink unfortunately i think was one of them where yeah. they got to a point where i thought their most fun stuff and i don't mean to rip on blink i like no. Yeah. They got to a point where their most fun stuff was just being fun assholes. Mm -hmm. And they showed that on everything they recorded, everything they did live. And then after a certain point, it just became they tried to do that one album where it's like, look, now we're serious. And it was yeah, like that was after really that point. It, yeah, exactly. After that point, I was like, there's nothing fun about this. That's mm -hmm. why I liked you. What you know, what yeah. are you trying and then to then coming back and trying to embrace the old music and the, the dick jokes and stuff? Yeah. It almost feels pathetic a bit, but not to rip on them again, but it feels no, like, yeah. it feels weird. And I mean I'll I'm with you. jokes, but like I don't know, there's something weird about it now. Well, it's yeah. it's kinda how I felt after a certain point with corn. You know, like corn put out like like Follow the Leader. I love that album when it first came out. And they had a couple other albums and like I'm not a huge new, new metal guy, but they just happened to be in my orbit at a time when I was looking for something with that sort of vibe. And then, you know, three or four albums down the road, I was like, oh, yeah, Corn," And I bought one of their albums and I started listening to it. I was like, and I kind of had this realization, like, how many times can you cry about your dad before it stops becoming interesting to me? You know, it's like, well, get I, I will say, though, that at least they stayed true to that sound. You know, it's like, yeah. you know, there's that difference between, you know, did somebody try to evolve and like change into something they're not, whereas at least they kept true to what that you know vibe was that they were going for yes I, they hammered that nail too much you know? i i wonder if that's what they were attempting to do i wonder if it was more that they were trying to capitalize on something that they knew would make them money that's how it felt to me was that they kept they kept hammering that nail because the nail kept giving them giving them royalty checks um and that's kind of what i mean is like you know, you look at any of the, I, I mean, R.I.P., the drummer from the Dead Kennedys just passed. I know. You, you look at guys like that, and it's like, you know, you would never you would never question whether or not they were doing something authentically. Everything they did was authentic, even if it was different than the shit they'd done before. It was still, like, them. You know what I mean? Look at Henry Rollins. Yeah. He won't Perfect go play his old stuff. He, won't, he doesn't want to do any of that. He's passed that, and he yep. doesn't want to just be milking getting ch checks for get checks for other things yeah. I mean, that's that spoken word stuff he does is actually pretty fun and oh, i found him life-changing when i went and saw him like yeah. I, he really struck a chord with me and yeah. honestly ditto with some of the spoken word stuff from jello biafra speaking of dead kennedys so. yeah totally yeah. Yeah. yeah so it just it got me it got me um kind of self-examining a little bit and yeah. thinking about you know, I have a friend who I met through a writing class and, you know, I do a lot of writing and he kind of struggles with, with, um, you know, getting that, getting, getting the actual words down on the keyboard. And I always tell him a writer writes 
You know, like if you want to be a writer, then you have to do the writing. Yeah. You can't just, it's not something you can just become. You have to, you ha it's a verb, right? Yeah. Yep. And I feel the same way about punk, where it's like, you can wear the outfit and still be a corporate asshole. And it feels like to some degree, if Blink isn't going to try and rectify the situation, then, I mean, how punk are they? You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. yeah. That's my thoughts. Anyway. <laughs> just uh, one last thing, I guess, on that subject for me is the, the Green Day with that last album they did. Mm. I don't even know what that, I don't even know what you classify that. It as. was different. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was like, whatever they were doing, I guess they probably did it fine, but it wasn't what they've done before. No. And it wasn't what but, I was expecting. And to, to that point, it's like, Green Day as a band have so many side projects like the network. Yeah, and Fox a side Hot Thought about it completely. Exactly. Different. It's like that's what, but they have so many other vehicles that it, they could have turned to. Why mm. did they do it as Green Day? Is and then they put that out in 2020. That. They did their um, Hello Mega tour with Weezer in uh, 2021, and um, was that last year? Too? Yeah, last year it actually happened because of COVID and postponement. But I went to that show. And they did no songs from that at all. I don't think they did anything at all post um, 21st Century Breakdown. Like, so like they went back. Well, like, tells you everything about what they're doing, right? Yeah, I I thought that said a lot about that album, and I was I was yeah. like, what the hell were they even doing? And there are bands that like Foo Fighters. They experiment. Some of the stuff I like more than others, and but that one was like a little beyond. Like, yeah. Yeah. I wonder how much of this has to do with contracts sometimes as well, where they just kind of want to wrap something up and move on. But with a band like Green Day, you know, you've been around long enough that if you're start, if you're still signing bad contracts, like, I mean, it's on you now, you know? Right. That's true. Um, All right. We should probably look yeah. at wrapping it up here. It's getting, yeah. it's been fun. Yes. Uh, yeah. Maybe we can uh, do this again real soon. Yes. It's nice to be back. Yeah. I miss you guys. Yeah. Missed you too, Ben. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yeah, next time we'll we'll have to figure out probably two weeks. Not fingers crossed. We'll see cool. what our schedules do. Yeah. All right. Uh, .com, uh check out uh, Roseblood Manor on Kickstarter. Do a search for it. We'll throw links wherever you see this. And check out all the bad bug shit, because all of it's gold. Yes. Yep. Especially the stuff with boobies. <laughs> there is <laughs> stuff with my name on it. Yeah, and the stuff with John's name on it. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks for checking us out. Catch you all later. Bye. Peace. 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 Bye.